You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Talk Recorded live. Right. 
If you don't, if you, if this, this is the reason that I always, always say, convince yourself by the Word of God. In other words, let the Holy Spirit teach you through proof by using the Word. A man will lie to you, okay? If your convictions is in what a man says, you ain't got no conviction. You got somebody else's conviction. You need to let the you need to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And to prove all things, you need a final authority and an absolute authority that nobody can shake. To where you can find that those that that truth at to prove all things. If everybody and I've said it a million times till it's it, it's just ad, I say it ad nauseum because of this specific, this very thing, stuff like this. If you knew the Word of God, you'd know you have the two witnesses to back up the things that's been said about the prophecy of Donald Trump. If you, if you, have, if you had two witnesses in the Word of God, well, you've got two witnesses. He's a well, completely worldly person, rich, yes, absolutely what you wouldn't think of as a Christian, Okay. But so was Cyrus, and so was Nebuchadnezzar, two of the biggest pagans that's ever walked the earth, okay? Both of them were chosen by God to do a work for God. Because, see, God's ways are not our ways. They're as far as the east is from the west, okay? And as we're going to see tonight, dealing with Jethro, People always trying to help God out, you know. Oh, well, God, he's such a good... He wouldn't do anything like that. Folks, you don't have the whole picture. You don't have the mind of God. Paul is... Brother Dave, turn to Romans chapter 11, okay? And read, I want you to read the last two verses in Romans 11 before we get, before we get started into Judges, if you don't mind, when I get through talking, Okay? But you you don't know the way that you if if you the, the more you know about this book the the more you'll know the way the Lord thinks. He's got all the bases covered, but you have to study the book. All right, you have to have the the way to study which you've been told over and over and over again. The the, the God would not leave you down here with his precious word, without giving you directions on how you're supposed to study. We've went over that in Isaiah, over and over and over again. Any other way is a man's way. You have the absolute direct instructions on how to study the book. We've went over them, like I said. And anybody that doesn't abide by those instructions, is wrong, or maybe they may hate. They may be like somebody that's uh, a batter that strikes out, you know, fifty times, and then uh, and every now and then hit a home run. You know, they may be they be, might be like a blind hog. He finds an acre every now and then. Okay, but you're supposed to be following the little W word of God. So Cyrus the Great. And Nebuchadnezzar backs up all this stuff that was said about Donald Trump before he ever even threw his hat in the ring to run for president. 
You people that are in, in this chat room, if you were here when everything was going on, we prayed and fasted for this man, that the Lord would give America another chance, and we weren't the only ones. I've talked to people that's just randomly. I was telling y'all not too long ago, you know, customer service, and I'm always talking to folks, okay? Kevin can tell you, I don't meet a stranger. And I'll talk to them about the Lord. If I'm on hold and they're trying to do something for me, I'll talk to them about the Lord, the Word of God. Talk to them about, do they know Jesus Christ? I'll talk to them. And I run across people, hey, they did the same thing. They were Christian, okay? You say, well, this deception is going to be so bad, maybe you could be deceived. Absolutely. That's the truth. That is the truth. But you won't, you, Paul says, you won't be deceived if you stick with the truth. The ones that get the strong delusion are the ones that receive not the knowledge of the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. That's the ones that get deceived. Not the ones that stick with the truth. Brother Dave, read that in Romans 11 and then go to 2 yes. Corinthians chapter 2. I'm 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Read that first, okay? Okay. Last two, last three verses in Romans 11. Okay. Romans 11, verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. And, and, and nobody, see, the implication is nobody has known the mind of the Lord. Paul didn't, and he was the greatest Christian that ever lived. He only, know, he only knew the revealed truth given unto him. He, was reveal, he got, had truth revealed to him face-to-face by Jesus Christ for three years, plus pouring over the scriptures night and day. Now I want to show you about the deception part. Go to 2 Thessalonians 2, brother. Okay, I'm there. Okay, go go down there where, where Paul, uh, just read from about verse 3 on, okay? Okay. Let no man deceive you by any means. Let no that... man deceive you, okay? You got that? Go ahead, brother. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, shewing himself that he is God, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, capital W, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan 
with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Okay, for what? How will they, for what cause will they get sent a strong delusion? It's right above that. See, it's the truth. Belief of the truth, folks. Go ahead, brother. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who now he's believe. Gonna give you the second, he's going to say the same thing another time of why they're deceived. Why, brother? Go ahead, read that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Okay. Now, there you you say, well, he said just the truth. He didn't say the Bible. Jesus Christ was asked what the truth was, and he said, thy word is sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That came out of God manifest in the flesh on mouth in red letters if you've got a red letter Bible, okay? Now then, Paul tells the Thessalonians in the very next verse, they're not going to be deceived. Why, Paul? Tell them. Verse 13, brother, read it. But, disjunction, but, conjunction, watch it. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Okay. Right. Go back up and see where, and, and show them where it says that that day shall not overtake you as a thief. Paul tells them that day will not overtake us as a thief. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. It's in First Thessalonians that, chapter 4, brother, where it talks chapter about four? that. Yeah, you're not, okay. you should be, um, that day shall not overtake you as a thief. It's in First Thessalonians 4. Okay. Talking All to right. the same bunch of Christians. Down it starts around, down, around verse 20, I believe. Verse 12. Okay. That ye may walk honestly towards them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. No, that's, that's wrong. I told you wrong, brother. Mm -hmm. Let me okay. go over there and find it myself. Let's see.
the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. For you know, brethren, that the day First. of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Yes. But that day shall not overtake you as a thief. Plainly tells you that day won't overtake you as a thief. And then he tells them why. Overtake you as a thief, brother. Yes, I got it. First Thessalonians 5, okay. verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Now, folks, in case you're thinking that this is different, Paul tells them in Second Thessalonians that he's having to come back and write them Real, he, he sent another letter soon to them because somebody came in, and we find out in Second Timothy chapter two that it was Hymenaeus and Philetus telling them that the resurrection had already passed. In other words, that the second coming had done taken place. That's what Hymenaeus and Philetus were teaching. So Paul had to write them Second Thessalonians, and he said, and he told them, "You know, I've already told this stuff to you one time." I'm just paraphrasing. That's what he said. And that's the reason for the, the second letter to the Thessalonians. But anyway, I said all that to say this. When I'm talking about this book, it's just as important if I'm, as if I'm talking about some eschatological secret thing that nobody has seen. It's more important, a hundred times more important. Because if you don't have the truth, and you don't have that absolute authority, and you don't apply it in your life and learn it, you can be just as deceived as hell. You're opening yourself up to be deceived. That's why, I, that's why I'm a stickler talking about obedience, talking about learning the Word, and telling you to prove all things. Always, always, always. Because there's no flesh and blood man walking this earth that's got all the answers, folks. There is none. 
That man walked this earth over 2,000 years ago, and it was the God-man, Christ Jesus, that came in flesh and blood. Okay? And he's not here walking the earth today. We're just sinners saved by grace. Okay, let's go to Judges now. Okay. Brother Dave, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give thanks for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for giving us gifts and gift of preachers, of pastors and teachers. And tonight, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit Speak through Pastor Don and teach us the word and that you teach him as well and that you bring to the knowledge of all those things that you want us to know on a personal basis that you start to bring them to our awareness through tonight's teaching, Lord. And I pray that sparks are set that would start brush fires in our heart Yes, to help Lord. us to get started into the Word on a trail of discovery that you want us to to know and to be able to tell others about, to have truths revealed to us, and that we would be of service and of use to you by being able to convey this knowledge to others yes, and Lord. to walk and change our patterns of behavior by the Word of God and by the truth that's been revealed to us. And, Lord, I pray for that woman who's having trouble with um, human services, with child services, and that's uh, taking her children away. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your will be done there. I pray that the children are protected, Lord, from any pedophiles or any people who would want to abuse them, or maybe they'd don't know that they're abusing, but because they think that this is the way you treat children who are having problems with drugs or medications, and this is a form of abuse they don't need. Father, I pray that you protect them by your Spirit and cause them, Lord, to get the help they need and to help the mother to get the help she needs. And I pray that, if possible, Lord, the family can remain together And I pray for everyone in the chat room, Lord, that you would meet their needs, those things they've been asking for, and wherever possible, Lord, I pray that those needs are met. And I pray all these things to the glory of Jesus. In his name, so be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, folks, we're fixing to get into... um, Judges chapter 11, and there is a great lesson to be learned here tonight. I told you when we started this book, the, this number one in Romans 15, 4, it says, whatsoever things were written for time are written for our learning. Okay? These things that we read in the Old Testament were written for our learning, that we'd have patience. Okay? And we'd learn from how to apply these things, these, this spiritual understanding from the Old Testament into our life now under the new covenant. That's the reason we go back to the old covenant like we do, because that's the command we had. It's Romans 15, 4. Paul is plain about that, all right? So is Peter, by as far as that goes. They're always quoting the Old Testament, all right? Because that's where, they get, that's where, that's where you learn this stuff at. 
That's the reason we study it. So we can apply the spiritual, I said the spiritual, the spiritual things in our life during this spiritual walk because we don't war against flesh and blood. We war against spiritual things, okay? The rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And he's not talking about Mount Rushmore when he talks about high places, okay? <laughs> he's not talking about the Himalayas. He's not talking about the Tibetan monks, all right? <laughs> but I, anyway, I've said enough about this this topic. Let's go ahead and get started, brother. Uh, just, start, just start at verse 1 and come down through here again. We're going to deal with Jephthah tonight, and we're going to we're going to run across something that is there. It's been argued about for years. All right, there's as many different opinions on what we're going to say, what we're going to hit on tonight as um, there are people just about. But there's it's a, there's a split over what's coming up, and we're going to discuss. I'm going to give you both sides of it. All right. Go ahead, Brother David. Verse 1. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and Gilead begat right. Jephthah. There's, some, there's something I didn't say about Jephthah the other night, dealing with the historical aspect of him. It says he was the, he was the son of a harlot. All right, number one. You're going to find out. Guess in a few minutes we went over it the other night how these people said they wouldn't follow him because hey he was he was his mother was a strange woman. Well, I didn't tell you what Josephus said about Jephthah, and I didn't tell you what some of the Targums say about Jephthah. Some of the Targums say that he was that his mother was an Ishmaelite. All right, Josephus says that Jephthah was a quote-unquote Gentile. In other words, non-Israelite. That's what, the, that's what history says about it, the, histor- the, the historical references that we have. I'm just, go check it out. Go look at it yourself. Go look yourself and see what's said about it, okay? So keep that in mind. All right, that that ought to be a this should be a lesson to be learned right off the bat that we've talked about many times on this program. And then it goes right back to Christ shed His blood for the world, folks. It goes right back to the division of of saints that I've talked about. The Israel elect separate from the whosoever. I'm not going into it tonight, but anyway, I just wanted to bring that that stuff out. And you go check it out yourself. Don't just believe one source. Check it out because there's different opinions on it. Okay, but I'm just telling you who some of the most some of the most popular and people rely on for other things. Josephus said, "All right, that she called him called him a a, a gentile. Said she was a gentile." All right, and in his, in his words, that's what it, he says in his book, Antiquities. But the thing, what he meant was a non-Israelite. Period. That's what he meant. Okay, 
And like I said, some of the targums, I can't really send you back to the exact ones because I've forgotten. But they said that she, that, uh, that his mother was an Ishmaelite, all right? In other words, I have the son come from Hagar and from, from Ishmael, all right? So just wanted to bring that out to you. Go check it out. Go ahead, brother. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob. And there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. And it came to pass in process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not ye hate me okay. and expel and me? This is a very good verse, brother. I want you to stop right there. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 23, okay? I'm going to show you some of the the battle that Jephthah had. I'm going to show you what he was fighting with, something he was fighting against, because it's probably on some of your minds. Deuteronomy 23 and read verse 2, brother. Okay. Let's start verse, verse 2. 1. Uh, start verse 1. Okay. He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. And there, Even, and okay, Jephthah, by definition, is a bastard. And now he's fighting, he's having to fight against it. That's why his brothers and all wouldn't let him rule over them. You saw the words that they used, and I just told you what history says, okay? You check it out. That's one of the things he's battling against. Remember what the Lord said, what Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we've been back to so many times about the people that God uses. The base things of this world, well, that's pretty base. A bastard's pretty base. You know, William the Conqueror, y'all, if you know anything about history, you know a little bit about William the Conqueror. You know how he signed his, his name down? He didn't put his name, when he signed his name, he called himself William the Bastard because he was a bastard. Check it out. That's the way, that's what he did. So Jeff was fighting an uphill battle right off the bat. We read back where Gideon took a strange woman. That woman, what was she, where was she from, brother? What, was, um, what did they say about her? Gideon? Yeah, remember Gideon took one of his one of his wives. He messed up, mm-hmm. and married this outlandish woman. Yeah, it doesn't but anyway, say anyway this is in the line. This is after Gideon, and and here's Jephthah coming out of this line. But anyway, go ahead, brother. Keep on reading. And, and it it wasn't wrong for them to have done this, right? Since he was a bastard, that they no, didn't that's what want I'm him. saying. I'm, the Lord's Yeshua yeah. is, is teaching a lesson, folks. 
Right, That's the reason right. I quoted Romans fifteen four a while ago. Mm-hmm. And so, in spite, like they did the right thing, but God was going to prove a point. To Absolutely, you. there you go, brother. See, that's the understanding that's lacking out there, folks, amongst our persuasion. The refusal to believe God's word. Okay, they will spend twenty hours trying to find somebody that they can latch on to that will will that will bolster their false teaching. They'll look for they'll they'll spend hours I'm hours and hours trying to find some reference to somebody that believes the way they do. So they'll have some to reference, okay? You know how many hours I spent looking for those two historical none. They didn't spend it didn't spend five minutes. Okay? Just thought I'd tell you. So you've got to be careful. You gotta be careful what you hear. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, um, in verse three, too, it says that he he uh, went out with these vain men, yeah. and uh, th- they were gathered to him. So he had must have uh, made a name for himself well, as a, he's a mighty battle. man of valor. It says right yeah. here he's a mighty man of valor. Yes, and so he had been fighting battles, and <laughs> isn't that interesting? Yes, they is. cast it's, him out, and his brothers <laughs> kick him out and say, "Hey, man, you ain't rule yeah. over us." You're you're a bastard. Basically, that's what they're saying, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. adding to the Word of God. I'm just telling you street language what it says. Absolutely. You're a bastard. You know, you're just a hack, brother. You're a bastard. We ain't ain't messing with you. But, okay, we'll see if they mess with him later when they need him, see? Yeah, right. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead, brother. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore, we turn again to thee now, that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, the Lord be witness between us. If oh, we do man. not... They didn't change their minds. See, they need somebody. They Self-preservation, man, it causes people to do strange things, doesn't it? Their convictions change according to their needs. Did you hear what I said? Their convictions changed. The book didn't change. Their convictions change because of their immediate needs. Let that be a lesson to you. The book didn't change. Deuteronomy 23, 2 is still there. Okay, go ahead, brother. And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us, if we do not so according to thy words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. And Jephthah sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, What hast thou to do with me, that thou art come against me to fight in my land? And the king of the children of Ammon answered unto the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land, 
And when they came up out of Egypt from Arnon even unto Jabbok and unto Jordan, now therefore restore those lands again peaceably. See, they're lying. They're, if any of you know about the land business, you you already know these suckers are lying, and Jesper's fixing to prove it. He's fixing to quote them exactly what happened. Go ahead, brother. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Ammon, and said unto him, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not, took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Ammon. And the reason, when, if you folks remember, they asked for, they asked for help, and they didn't get it. Okay, from from Edom and from these suckers. They asked help and they were refused help, if you remember the story. All right? So that's what Jeff was fixing to tell him. Go ahead, brother. But when Israel came up from Egypt and walked through the wilderness unto the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But the king of Edom would not hearken thereto. And in like manner they sent unto the king of Moab, but he would not consent, and Israel abode in Kadesh. Then they went along through the wilderness, and compassed the land of Edom, and the land of Moab, and came by the east side of the land of Moab, and pitched unto the other side of Arnon, but came not within the border of Moab, for Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshbon. And Israel said unto him, Let us pass, we pray thee, through thy land into my place. But Sihon trusted not Israel to pass through his coast. But Sihon gathered all his people together and pitched in Jahaz and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sion and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they smote them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites, the inhabitants of that country. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And they possessed all the coasts of the Amorites, from Arnon even unto Jabbok, and from the wilderness even unto Jordan. So now the Lord God of Israel hath dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. And shouldest thou possess it? Wilt not thou possess that which Chemosh, the God, thy God, giveth thee to possess? And so that's so, the God that they're serving, this Chemosh, whatever, whoever, whatever he is. Well, let's just stop real quick there, brother, and look see what that God is. I hadn't checked that one out. <coughs> You got your strongs pulled up. Yes, I do. Okay. I think he's got something to do with Moloch, doesn't he? Let me see here. Chemus, equal subduer, the national deity of the Moabites and a god of the Ammonites. Also identified with Baal Peor, Baal Zebub, Mars, and Saturn. In other words, it's just Baal by another name, basically. Yep. That's yep. all it just is. Satan. Yep. That's good. Just Go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, so now the Lord God of Israel 
hath dispossessed the Amorite from before his people Israel, and shouldest thou possess it? Wilt not thou possess that which Chemosh, thy God, giveth thee to possess? So whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out from before us, them will we possess. And now art thou anything better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel, or did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon, and her towns in Aror, and her towns in, in all the cities that be along by the coasts of Arnon, three hundred years, why therefore did ye not recover them within that time? Wherefore, I have not sinned against thee, but thou doest me, me wrong to war against me. The Lord, the judge, be judge this day between the children of Israel and the children of Ammon. Howbeit the king of the children of Ammon hearkened not unto the words of Jephthah, which he sent him. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Okay. Now, now here comes the spirit of the Lord upon this bastard. He gives it. Pretty good, um, pretty good sign the Lord's with him, wouldn't you say, Brother David? Yes, indeed, absolutely. Continue reading. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord. Okay, and said, here he goes. He's done seeing this army now. He's got every reason to believe that the Lord is going to deliver Ammon into his hand. Okay, he's got every reason to believe that the Lord's going to do it because the Spirit of the Lord says come upon him. All right, but here he goes. Verse 30, here he goes doing something. This is a lesson. This is a lesson, folks that each and every one of us ought to learn because the, the, the Word of God is full of the admonitions about what's fixing to take place. I want you to be thinking about it. And this is where there's all kind of controversy, and I'll discuss it when we get to it. Go ahead, brother. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Wow. He didn't bow a vow unto the Lord, that if the Lord will deliver him into his hand, then when he goes back, the first thing he sees that he'll offer up to the Lord in a burnt offering. And here's where all the trouble begins. Go ahead, brother. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from error, even till thou come to Minneth, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards, with a very great slaughter. 
Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and, behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. Wow. Can you imagine the feeling? Can you imagine the feeling? Don't forget now that he's done, he's done uh, accomplished a whole lot, folks. He's a mighty man of valor. He's a bastard. His brethren kicked him out and had to go, since he was such a good fighter, they go back when they're getting their tails kicked and have to beg him to come back. For expediency demands that they have him be their leader. And then the Spirit of the Lord comes on him because the Lord's going to use this guy. All right? And he's, a, like I said, he comes from a pagan. He's, got, he's a half-breed. He's a halfling. So he's got a half pagan. All right. So he throws up, he didn't talk to the Lord. He said his words were to the Lord a while ago. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and now he makes this vow. And the first thing that, and the, the vow, the first thing when he went back, the first thing that came up to him, that he would offer as a burnt offering to the Lord, and it behold, it is his daughter. Continue reading, brother. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Okay. Now, here you're going to say, what you need to watch this wording closely, folks, because you will have, when people read this passage of Scripture, you've got a bunch of theologians out there that will try to tell you that Jethba does not go through with his vow. Watch the wording. They'll try to say, and when we get to it, I'll show you. They'll try to tell you that, oh, all he did was make Jeth, uh, make his daughter go and be a perpetual virgin, so to speak. And she couldn't get married and bury him no sons. I see where they get their argument, and I'll show you in just a second. But their argument won't hold water because of what the book says. See, they, they, they won't read all of it. They'll read it, but they won't emphasize all the words of God. And most of them will change. They will, they will go to the Hebrew and try to change the words of God and try to change it into what it's not. And every time they go to try to change it, you can rest assured they're screwing up. So Jesus made a vow, and it's his daughter, and he is just, why is he so upset if he's going to send her off not to be married? Why is he? Why, why is he just bent all out of shape? See, that's what, that's what you need to be asking yourself when it comes to this question of whether Jethro sacrificed his daughter or not. Remember, God, give, give us. Is there anything else in the Word of God that would imply that the Lord would allow something like this to happen? Of course, Abraham and Isaac. Now, the Lord didn't let Abraham go through with it. He supplied 
the sacrifice with the ram caught in the bushes, okay? But still the Lord told Abraham that that's what he should do. And they'll, they will hinge their argument on the fact that God didn't let it go through, that he didn't let this one go through either. Well, it told us in the book back in Genesis that the Lord, and he gave details. You're not going to see those details here, folks. It's read into the text by those that disagree with what I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you, he did do exactly what he said. He did do it. Continue reading, Brother Dave. Verse 36, And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. Okay, back in verse 35, Jephthah said, I cannot go back. Didn't you go back to there and see the vow that he made? There's nothing in that vow that he made got to do with anything about not getting married, number one. Number two, he's distraught, and he says he cannot go back. Number three, his daughter agrees to it. I mean, she's the hero here, really. She's submissive to her father. Great lesson. Even though she's going to die, she's submissive to her father's will. Man, if there's more children like this. Oh, if God's children were like this. Oh, if God's children were like this. First, like Jephthah, it's going to cost him something. Because of what he said, what came out of his mouth. It's going to cost her her life, and she's obedient unto death. See why they want to change it, folks? They'll stick about, well, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. Yeah, we also read that the ways of the Lord, we said nobody can know the mind of the Lord. His ways are not our ways, folks. He thinks on his mind is eternal. His plan's already set in stone of which avenue he's going to go in. Plus, he's the creator. He's the one we're supposed to be the slave to, like I said last program. I'm not going to go on all into that. I did enough of that the other night. I should. I've done enough of it in the last going on four years. That's the position you should take. That's the standing position that you should take in everyday life. Paul said he died daily. He said, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto Christ. Christ Jesus said, take up your cross. That's crucifixion. That's death. That's the reason Paul says, if we be dead with him, we shall reign with him. No, he's not talking about if we commit suicide. It's spiritual. See, the letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive. See, 
That's the difference in the old covenant and the new. What was once a literal application is a spiritual application in the New Testament, see? But it's it's a spiritual application that if it's obeyed, it comes out and works in reality in the literal, see? And if it's not obeyed and not done, it doesn't produce the fruit like it's supposed to. That's the lesson the Lord's trying to teach us. Whatsoever things are written full time are written for our learning. You've got all kind of verses to back up everything I'm saying. You want me to go through all of them? You're not supposed to need but two or three. See, that's the doctrine you don't hear today. Now, everybody wants to talk about eschatology and the, and the Antichrist and, oh, this, that, and the other. Nobody wants to talk about this, see, because this costs you something, see. The spiritual application becomes New Testament doctrine. The literal fact that this took place in here becomes New Testament doctrine for application in your life if ye be a son of God. If you're not, you're a bastard. Hebrews chapter 12, if ye be without chastisement, whereby all are partakers, all, A-L-L, without exception, then are you a bastard and not a son. You see, exception to the bastard back here where it's literal, but there are no exceptions to the bastard in the new. Exception in the old, there's no exception in the New Testament. Exception in the Old Testament, no exception in the New Testament. See, would you have thought of that? That's a lesson. See, a lot of you folks never heard nothing like this. It ain't being taught, folks, anymore. This is this. This used to be. This used to be. Everybody knew these doctrines. But as it goes, you know, the degeneration, as the apostasy continues. Nobody wants, nobody likes, nobody's happy on the rack. Nobody likes to give up stuff. It's in our nature. It's in the fleshy nature. Nobody likes to die. Nobody likes to hurt. Nobody likes pain. Peter said, he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. He deals with suffering in two chapters. Paul deals with it throughout his all of his epistles. But see, it's spiritual now. Well, back here, Jethro made a vow, had to keep it. Say, well, no way I'd have done that. Well, back then, it was the the Big Ten and everything was literal. You can't eat this, you can't eat that, blah, 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 blah. Not a one of them kept it. Nobody ever kept the law. It was spirit. It never was given for salvation. 
It was given as a schoolmaster to show you you're a sinner. Paul tells you that in Galatians. But Jeff is a man, and he's a base man. And he's got three strikes, two and a half strikes against him. But he comes out on top. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, brother. Okay. Let me tell you something about, listen, I've seen, and I've been guilty of it, folks. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. See, nobody thinks about this. You got things about what comes out of your mouth, both in the old and the new. Proverbs is full of it. Leviticus is full of it. The wisest man that ever lives fixing to give you some good advice. I'll let the Lord use the Word of God to give you some good advice. Start reading it, verse 1, brother. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. What is the sacrifice of fools, I wonder? Well, if you know Proverbs, a fool is known by a multitude of words. Hear what I said? You can't learn nothing running your mouth. A babbling fool. James gets to the point where he says, let you, you know, be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. In the book of James, written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, by the way. So go ahead, finish reading what Brother Solomon had to say. And uh, that goes to directly in line with what Jesus said to the Pharisees that they think that they would be heard for their many words. Absolutely. And, and, and let me tell you something, folks. You go, you go messing around. Well, no, nah, I'm not going to get into that right now. Go ahead, brother. I want you to finish okay. the, the verses. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Now, now you see what he's saying. Be, 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 better be careful what you say. Later on, he talks about it. Not even watch what you say in your bedroom. Folks, we're, hey, listen, we, you're talking about we're so far away from, uh, from obedience to the Word of God. It's pitiful. You say, well, you you run your mouth all the time. Yeah, I'm called to do it. What are you talking about? In the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God through the foolishness. Foolishness is done by a fool, folks. The foolishness of preaching. Why is it called foolishness? Because it's continuous talking. And a fool is known by a multitude of words. By the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Wow. The Lord's got it covered whichever way you turn, folks. Continue reading, brother. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. 
For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Y'all heard me quote that I don't know how many times. Probably done forgot it, right? Because nobody listens to it. And it, it, it applies right, like I said, right on in under the new covenant as well. John Wesley was a big stickler with this. He was a man of few words. If anybody's ever read his biography, I recommend it, okay? John Wesley was a big adherence to this. He wouldn't spend but very few minutes talking to anybody other than preaching, which he would do for hours. My... Bible teacher was kind of this way too. If you didn't have something important to say and it couldn't be strictly on time, he wasn't one to just, you know, shoot the bull, so to speak. Say, my goodness, you mean all this is that the Lord really expects? Yes. Do any of us do it? Sadly. Sadly. most What's so sad, most people don't even know that they shouldn't because they've never been taught correctly. And even the ones that have been taught, and myself included, I'm guilty. You say, well, you see, when I'm when I'm always asking for prayer and I'm telling you about confessing sin, see, there's one right there. I, I mean, you know, what what else can I say? I don't tell you that stuff off the top of my head. You mean to tell me everything you said today was to the point and there was no foolishness behind anything you said? If you dealt with anybody today, round friends, yeah, that's why that's why women are told to keep silent. I'm not going to get it to women bashing, but it, it, that's where it all started there, okay? God's got something about the mouth, all right? That, that mouth is... James says the tongue set on fire of hell. Who can tame it? And the answer really, literally, is nobody. But we're still supposed to try. Like I said, I've seen examples. My pastor was that way. He, he wouldn't shoot the bull with him. Even if you went off fishing with him. He was a quiet man. But to hear him talk and hear him teach, you'd think that man run his mouth all the time, but he didn't. Not in private. He just would have made a man a few words. There's been a many a preacher and teacher of the Word of God that adhered to that principle. That just wouldn't again fellowship just be you know shoot the breeze. They were trying to be obedient to the book, folks. At least they tried. So Jephthah's done run his mouth, and he says he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And he goes, and, and he does. 
And we'll continue right back in um, chapter 11, Brother Dave. Okay. Uh, verse 37. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, okay. I and my this fellows. Is where, this is where they get because she's bewailing her virginity. That is that all he did was send her away so she couldn't get married. That's they take this word and extrapolate out from that. They're the people that don't agree that Jeth done what he said he is going to do, even though it's fixing to tell you that he did. So they go back up and try to change the book and tell you, no, he meant he really didn't mean that. He meant something else. <laughs> but they don't come back to try to change where it said he did do what he said he was going to do. Folks are hypocrites. Everybody wants to help God out. Help the Creator, the Infinite One, the Unnameable One. Everybody wants to try to help Him out. See? Like He needs some help. He's got it covered, folks. This book has it covered. Can you read, brother? Verse 38, and he said, go. And he sent her away for two months. And she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow. You got that? He did with her according to his vow. Go back and read the vow again. See? He did it. Continue, brother. And she knew no man, and, and it say, was a custom. Virginity and knew no... Of course she knew no man. She couldn't know a man. She was dead. And they'll say, no, it's because she knew no man. That means she didn't get married. That's the I see where they get what they get, folks. But that's not what the book says. It said he did his vow. And you go back and read it, the vow. It got nothing to do with marriage. Not one sap-sucking thing. Am I right, Brother David? Yes, absolutely. She, He fulfilled the vow, as he said, word for word. That's exactly what the book says. And to say anything different than that is to add or take away or add to the Word of God. And they ain't going to do it. Take what it says. He's fixing to give you another reason why he did exactly what he says. I'll show you in a second. Go ahead, brother. Keep on reading. And it came to pass, uh, uh, sorry, and she knew no man, and it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in a year. Every four, four days in a year, they would lament the daughter of Jephthah. What are they lamenting for if she just didn't get married? Huh? It makes no sense, folks. Not if you believe the book. Not, not why would anybody want to try? Well, oh, God, he he wouldn't he wouldn't have anybody do this because he said that those people that gave up their children were heathens. 
They, of course he did. But he told Abraham to do it. Yeah, he stopped. Yeah, he stopped him because that's the first. That's the first type of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, where it said God will provide Himself a lamb. Genesis twenty-two fifteen. That's the first reference you have to God being manifest in the flesh. If you don't change the book, see. God will provide himself a lamb. So he was manifest in the flesh, and he was the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. How many times have you read Genesis twenty two fifteen? did you understand what God was actually putting right there in front of you? That's the first place he says that he's going to be manifest in the flesh. Genesis 22, 15. Go read it, Brother Dave, real quick. We'll stop here. Genesis. Okay. Yeah, Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. I think I'm right on the 15. It's 14 or 15, 1. Okay, Genesis 22, verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself, have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. I got the verse wrong. It must be earlier than that, brother. Yes. Okay, and let's see here. And Abraham, uh, let's go to verse 9. And they came to the place which God hath told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Okay, he let's said, stop right there just a second. Let me explain something. In, in Abraham's mind, Isaac is dead. But see, Abraham has faith that even though he does what he's supposed to do, that God will raise him up, see. That's where the faith of Abraham comes in. That's why he's called the father of faith. Okay, continue reading, brother. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the place of that, the name of that place, Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord I'm missing, shall be seen. still missing the verse, brother. It's earlier. It's, it, it, yeah. It, I, I'm, oh, yeah, I, I think I know the verse, yeah, what you mean. 
where he said the Lord will su- supply the lamb. Yeah, okay. Yeah, God, exactly what I quoted. God will provide yeah. himself mm-hmm. a lamb. Yeah. Right here. And what verse is it? Uh, seven. Okay, twenty-two, seven. Read six and seven. Okay. And Abraham took the wood of the offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his yeah, father. He said, he said, doesn't, said, he, doesn't he say this? Well, here's the fire and here's the wood, but where's the lamb, you know? Isn't that what he yeah. says, brother? Go ahead, read Yes. It. And said, My father. And he said, Here am I. My son, and he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And here it comes. And, and Abraham most, said, and 90% of the, the, the commentators miss it, folks. Just like practically every one of you, if you ever read through it, missed it as well. Watch close. Go ahead. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. There you go. God's going to provide not just a lamb. He's going to provide himself a lamb. That's the first mention of God manifest in the flesh. Right there. That he was going to come and die for your sin. Great is the mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh. Real quick, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and start at verse 32. And let's see about Jethro's actions, how the Lord looked at them after the resurrection in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, brother. Start at verse 32 and see what the Lord thinks about some of these people we've read about so far. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what shall I, I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. Now, that's in pretty good company, folks. This is chapter 11 called the the Hall of Fame of Faith. That's what this chapter's called. He's in, Jephthah, the bastard, is in pretty good company. Wouldn't you say so, Brother Dave? Absolutely the best. In the Old Testament, That's among correct. the best. That's exactly right. In pretty good company. So I don't need. I don't have to understand why God asks what He asks and does what He does. I'm just supposed to believe it, trust it, and try to obey it. I'm not supposed to question it. One of these days, you'll be able to ask every question you want, because you'll have them. You probably won't even have to ask anything because. You'll you'll have the completed mind of Jesus Christ. Paul even went so far as to say, "We have it now." We just it's just like he said that we're seated with Christ, present tense, in heavenly places right now. See, you look around. I don't think I'm seated nowhere, man. Oh no, I'm I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I'm having this trouble. I'm having that trouble. I've got an incurable disease. I just lost my kid. I just got a divorce. I can't pay the bills. I ain't got this. I, uh, you really? Are you? We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, are we? Huh? See why that stuff's hard to get, folks. 
that, 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 you see, the flesh don't like that. You don't like those verses. Paul must have meant something entirely different. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. He must have meant something totally. He must have been speaking allegorically, right? When he said, I'm crucified with Christ. No. No. You've had it explained to you over and over and over again. And folks, it's the hardest, it's one of the toughest things. Especially after you, you, if you've been living your life as quote unquote a Christian and then find out years later the truth, the truth of the doctrine of what I'm teaching you. If nobody's ever hammered it in your head, if nobody's ever taught you the truth that there was an absolute authority, you have a rough time with this. I know you do. Because you spent some, we, we spend so many years when we get new and things revealed to us, we don't want nothing that we, because it it, we don't like it. But to whom much is given, folks, much is required. I die daily. What do you mean by dying daily? I put my flesh under, Paul said. At least when I preach to others, I myself become a castaway. And when he tried to do it, he messed up. He told you that in Romans 7, see? So you wouldn't feel so bad when you messed up. That's sound doctrine, folks. That's, that's sticking with the text, with the context in the place where it appears and sticking true to the Word of God. And I, and I know when I went, I, I've been through Romans twice. But I only went, the second time we did a review, we only went to chapter 8, I think. Or chapter 12, I forget. But when we go back through the New Testament, I'm going I'm, I'm to slow down. And I'm going to pound this stuff home again. I'm really going to go deeper this time to get into to real New Testament doctrine. Because some of you folks have never heard it. Some of you new downloaders, I'm sure you've never heard it. Some of you might have. Any questions in the chat room? Okay. Well, if there's no questions in the chat room, Brother David, if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother. Yeah, there's, before we go, I, sure. I'd like to share two, um, three verses here in Numbers Absolutely. 30. Go, right ahead. go ahead, brother. Uh, 
verse 2. If, if a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord, and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house, in her youth, and her father hear her vow, and her bond wherewith she hath bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand, and every bond wherewith she had bound her soul shall stand. Amen. It's interesting that here was Jephthah. He was a mighty man of valor. He went out, had battles, proved how courageous he was, what a good soldier he was. The sons of Gilead, Gilead, they, you know, trusted in God's word, cast out the bastard. Well, oh, we're, we're in trouble now. Hey, that bastard guy, he's a great general, great captain. Better call him back. Oh, what about God's word? Oh, well, that don't matter now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at earlier. It's expediency. Yeah. It's a it's expediency, all right? And here's this bastard vowing a vow and keeping it word for word. And here's his daughter vowing the vow to be obedient to everything her father vowed. That's right. Like it said. They're both obedient. And here's father and daughter. Obviously, this man taught his daughter well the word of God. That's exactly right. The bastard was the man of God by the word of God, whereas the other Israelites that were his brothers quickly changed from following God. That's exactly right. That's a perfect... And I said, there's a lesson. See, this is what the lesson is, folks, in this chapter. This is what the spiritual lesson, the application under the new covenant is. because Because everywhere in the new covenant backs every word I've said up. I have said nothing out of the way. Every bit of it with two, three, four, five, six witnesses, seven witnesses, over and over and over again. Amen. Yes. My goodness. I mean, that's just the way it is. And nobody wants to hear it. And everybody thinks things are going to be wonderful at the judgment seat of Christ. Give me a break, folks. It's a terror to me in my own mind. It's a terror to me. It was a terror to Paul, even. He said, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Talking about the judgment seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5. Wow. Tough stuff, isn't it? Aren't you glad that Christ died for your sins? You say every sin you've ever committed, you've committed after Christ has done resurrected and the blood's been shed. See, you were—I mean, you were—you were—you was. Uh, well, we're not going to get into that tonight, but you hadn't been born yet. What I'm saying, and every sin it was already covered before you were ever born. Isn't that awesome? You don't think like that, though, do you? Some of you. 
See, that's why you ought to be get, you, ought, you ought to start thinking about getting to work for the Lord. You ought to be show, you ought to be proving the love that you have for Him through obedience. If you love me, he said you'll keep my words. Go ahead and dismiss us in word prayer, brother. Yes. <clears throat> Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks for this word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for admonishing us, correcting us, and helping to encourage us to take a new path, to walk in faithfulness to your word, even though it may cost us and may cost us dearly. And often it the price isn't that dear, and people, we fail even at a small cost. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us to learn faithfulness in our vows and not to quickly vow things or promise things that we will do unless we've counted the cost and are willing to pay that which we have promised. And Lord, we've promised you our lives. We've promised to serve you. If you would save us and forgive us of our sins, that we would serve you. And Lord... We vowed that vow. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to remember these things and to have that fervent spirit that we had when we vowed the vow and to continue in that fervency to obey you in all things that you ask us to do, all things that you ask us to do, that we would be found faithful at the end at the judgment seat of Christ. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. 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 Folks, listen. If it don't cost you something, something you've saved up and 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 really sweated and worked for when you get just I'm using this just as an illustration. When somebody just hands you something for free, see that's the thing about salvation. It's a free gift, and majority. The majority treat it like they do any other free gift. They don't put that much. They don't put that much weight on it. But if you, if see, if you work for it and you sweat it for it and everything, see, then you get it. But see, salvation has got nothing to do with works. Period. But we take salvation and treat it like an, just any other free gift that we receive. And it's the most precious gift because it lasts for eternity. It's got every problem covered. And you can't, or I can't, or nobody can even imagine what's on the other side when we reach the other side, when we take that last breath. We can't even fathom. And the adversary has planted so many roadblocks in God's children's way from every direction that it, it's it and, and this world is not your friend. You're not of this world. This world is not your friend. This world you should not love. This world it does not have your best interest at heart. Only your heavenly Father does. 
This is the testing ground, folks. This is about your rewards. This is about your inheritance on the other side. Anyway, so now for tonight, we've gone long enough. Well, folks, I appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, and Lord willing, Sunday night we'll pick up with um, the next chapter. And uh, we'll read the different, how people's language can get, how the way people talk can get them in trouble. <laughs> but anyway, if there nobody ask any questions, Brother Dave in the chat room? Uh, let me check again. No, okay. no questions. Okay, Brother Dave, if you would, go ahead and we'll go ahead and shut her down. Okay. Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. The telephone number is 334-397-2333. Again, that's 334-397-2333. The email address for Pastor Don is respecttothelord at yahoo.com. If you have a PayPal account, you can go there, enter respect to the Lord at yahoo.com and make an offering to the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of Don Spears. And you can also mail offerings or any communications that you want to his home address, 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, 36. 3-6-0-1-7. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good job, Brother Dave. Appreciate it. And Brother Chad will be back with us, Lord willing, uh, Sunday night, folks. I hope you have a wonderful Saturday tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you. And Lord willing and help permit, and we'll see you Sunday night. Good night, Brother Dave, Brother Kevin. Good night, Pastor Don. Good night, brother. Good night, folks. Good night, all.